This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code LEFT. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The David Pakman Show, The Young Turks, Throwing Shade, The Majority Report, AllOut.org, Activism from Best of the Left, and Dan Savage. I've talked about how we have to be careful when we talk about LGBT rights and not to equate the struggle, the struggle for LGBT rights with other struggles for equality, be it racial equality, be it gender equality, because every one of these struggles is different. But at the same time, I think in many cases it is pretty useful to draw parallels that exist between different struggles for equality and to look at the historical context. And we saw a great example of this in a hearing about so-called threats to religious freedom. Now, once you stop laughing about the fact that so-called threats to religious freedom are now the subject of congressional hearings, once you get beyond that absurdity, uh, we can actually look specifically at New York Congressman Gerald Nadler, who grilled Matt Staver, who's an anti-gay zealot from the Liberty Council yesterday. And they started talking about this, this constant thing that now we're hearing about. Is it a violation of religious freedom to say you can't refuse service to someone on the basis of them being gay. So let's first talk about this this first clip. I'll play, play the clip for you. Here, Congressman Nadler draws a parallel between refusing service to someone because they are gay, with refusing or, or a, a gay couple, to refusing service to someone because they are a black couple, and maybe that goes against your religion. Okay, let's start with that. The uh, 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 gay marriage is that correct? Correct. Would it be an equal uh, uh, um, limitation his religious belief if if he said I don't want to go to a wedding of black people? I want to discriminate against black people. Would that be a, a would the government saying you can't do that be a, uh, a violation of his religious freedom? I think that's fundamentally different. Why? It, she's not saying she doesn't want to photograph a wedding where there's uh, people who are gay and lesbian. She's saying she doesn't want to photograph a celebration of same-sex unions. Oh, and, if, and, if, and if her religious belief said, I don't want to celebrate a, uh, uh, um, a celebration of black unions because I, I, I think black people shouldn't get married, that's my religion, well, should government, I mean, is it an imposition on her religious freedom for government to say you can't do that? I, don't, I think it's fundamentally different, and I don't think that's what the issue is in that case. And I don't exactly what the issue is. No, they okay, so Matt Staver can't really explain why it would be different to re- not photograph black weddings and not photographing gay weddings. He just can't really come up with anything, okay? So then we continue here, and now Nadler uh, uh, suggests, well, what if it was a Jewish couple instead of a black couple? Let's explore that. She has a religious, she has a religious belief that she shouldn't participate or be forced to participate in a celebration which goes against her religious belief. And let's assume or her religious belief that she shouldn't photograph a Jewish wedding. Uh, would that be discrimination that the civil rights law can, can, can proscribe or not? And if not, why not? I think it would be something that uh, she wouldn't object to, first of all. Secondly, This is classic, classic misdirection, right? It's like when, when uh, that attorney, I think his name was John Yu, was asked by Congressman Conyers, would the president have the legal authority to order someone be buried alive? And John Yu replied, 
The president would never do that. This is the exact same type of misdirection, Lewis, where he says, well, I don't think anybody, no Christians, would refuse to photograph a Jewish wedding. Classic misdirection, non-answer. Right. Textbook, David. Okay, and then we go on to the third part, and then this is the uh, 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 maybe this is the last attempt to explain why Matt Staver. Why is it okay to discriminate against gay couples, but not against black or Jewish or other types of couples that you might have a sincerely held relig religious objection to? Somebody with some religious belief might object. I'm not saying that your client or your friend or whoever she is. Let's assume that someone had such a religious belief. Uh, that it's a violation of her religious belief to be forced professionally, because she's a photographer, to photograph a Jewish wedding uh, or a Muslim wedding or whatever. Yeah, so this, this went on for a little while longer. Not a single reasonable point was made here. The most absurd thing is not that Matt Staver couldn't make a good point about why it's okay to discriminate against gay people. That's obvious. There is no good reason to discriminate against gay people. There are two interesting things here. Number one is that we're even having these hearings in the first place. The, the idea that we need a hearing in this country to figure out if Christians are being discriminated against because they can't discriminate against gay people, that at its face is absurd. Right. Uh, the fact that this guy is is uh, is here talking about this in, in front of in front of the people that are questioning him. Uh, it just seems like a situation that, that shouldn't be happening. No question. And then number two, the other interesting thing is that while you and I know that Matt Staver believes that there is biblical authority that supersedes the government or the state saying don't discriminate against uh, gay people, he doesn't mention that in the congressional context, probably because even though he believes that absolute nuttery, he knows that it would be absurd to present that as the reason at, at a congressional hearing. That would be my guess. But you put a guy like uh, Rafael Cruz in there, and I'm sure he would very quickly say that... Uh, those guys are all abominations and they're, they're spitting in the face of God. Maybe. I think even Ted Cruz's dad, Rafael Cruz, in a congressional hearing, would have the common sense not to say that biblical law trumps, uh, uh, I don't know what you would call it, secular law, actual law. But very, very interesting. He could just come up with nothing, nothing at all. when we talk about uh, gay marriage, we talk about religious freedom, at least religious individuals talk about religious freedom and how we can't marry same-sex people because, hey, it's against our religious freedom. Well, interestingly enough, a group of clergymen are using that very argument to say they should be able to marry same-sex couples because of their religion. So let me tell you exactly who this is. It's clergymen representing the United Church of Christ. They challenged the North Carolina law that bans same-sex marriage. It's known as Amendment 1, which the people of North Carolina voted on and overwhelmingly uh, 
favor, were in favor of. So they passed it, and of course that banned same-sex marriage. Well, clergymen were like, no, we're religious, and we believe that our religious freedom entitles us to the ability to marry same-sex couples. One uh, reverend by the name of Joe Hoffman says the following, As senior minister, I am often asked to perform marriage ceremonies for same-sex couples in my congregation. My denomination, the United Church of Christ, authorizes me to perform these ceremonies, but Amendment 1 denies my religious freedom by prohibiting me from exercising this right. I love that argument. It's a great turnabout. That's a, you know, turnabout is fair play in this particular instance where you have these uh, clergymen saying this is stopping my free exercise of religion. Now, you know, to say whether or not the government is required, I mean, it's not to say that the clergyman can't go out in the field and go ahead and marry these people anyway. It just means the government won't recognize it. So, right. you know, I think they have a great point. I think it's a wonderful way to uh, to bring about the, the you know the legal questions about this. You know, it's another another angle of getting at civil rights. Yeah, look, gay marriage is coming, no pun intended. It is coming, and I think maybe, just even looking at this slightly cynically, this may be a numbers game for these guys. They may realize that there's a societal shift here, and they have to get on board and lead uh, congregations that are going to accept this because they want to keep members. You know, it used to be back in the day, you had to keep people, you couldn't have gay people married because you wanted people to reproduce as much as possible. Well, then that's just slowly stopped working, and now if you don't let gay people into your congregations, you're going to see the numbers fall because of that. So it may just be purely business in a way, and, I, and I'd be okay with that. You know, for gay, you know, gays can't reproduce, for, for a group of people who can't reproduce, they seem to be reproducing like wild yeah. <laughs> Well, I always say to my boyfriend, we can't have kids, but we're going to keep trying. I like that they came from the United Church of Christ. Nobody ever comes from the fractured Church of Christ. Why is that? No, that's true. But I, didn't, I did not see this coming. I did not yeah. see the religious people using this. This is That's like a nice jiu-jitsu. I think it shows you that there are fundamentalists in the country, and then there are people who are religious that, that do believe uh, in, in the their right faith. Message. And they believe in the right message, exactly. And, and that's the reason why I love this story so much, because oftentimes on this show, I feel like we're extremely critical and extremely harsh to religious people, but you know we always try to include the caveat that we're speaking about fundamentalists. We're not talking about the vast majority of religious people in the country. And and I grew up religious. I grew up uh, going to Sunday school every single Sunday. We never ever had a conversation in my church about hating a particular group of people because they didn't live the lifestyle that we agreed with. We talked about the poor. We talked about loving our neighbors. We talked about forgiving our enemies. Those are the kinds of messages that I agree with, right? And those are the kinds of messages that are good for society. And unfortunately, those good messages are getting buried under the hateful messages that you get from these ridiculous fundamentalists. So I love this. I love that there's a religious organization that's getting a little bit of uh, positive publicity. The fundamentalists have all got me wrong Because my hair's too long for their likeness So your highness
a new study was was recently done about how uh, religious LGBT adults are, and like if they've. Uh, because obviously religion has not always been a best friend to uh, gay and lesbian. No, but there are people. some churches who are kind of inclusive, there right? There are some who are inclusive, sort of n- uh, newly inclusive, mostly in very urban areas and that kind of thing. Keith but Urban areas? Keith Urban. Anywhere that plays Keith Urban. Um, anyway, and, and by proxy, anyone, any church that's a huge fan of Nicole Kidman usually allows yeah. gay people. And Alanis Morissette because it's ironic. Okay, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but, yeah, by and large, I would say that most religious institutions are not huge fans of the gays. I think it's that, that tide is turning a little bit, but it's definitely, you know, the majority is... Religion hasn't been so nice to gay people uh, for centuries. Yeah, well, re- religion isn't really nice to anybody, if you think about it. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not. Um, but especially the gays yeah. and the lesbians and, yes. the, and the transgendered and the... Uh, Bisexuals. Queers in the, yeah. Yep. Exactly. So, Can I say queers? Yeah. It's part of the Q. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it is the Q. <laughs> Queens, queers, quaaludes. Yeah. Right, honey? Um, so there was a recent uh, church line. This is only, this is just an example of how that HuffPost pointed out, actually. This is just an example of uh, the kind of signage that sometimes is on these deeply conservative religious institutions. This is uh, was on a church in Harlem called Atla, which stands for All the Land Anointed Holy. Anyway, their sign and we're right supposed now, to know which lands those are? Yeah. Well, apparently it's Harlem. Okay. And so the most recent thing they put, you know how they have churches have signs where you can like put the letters on and yeah. that whole thing, like a marquee? Yeah, like and how old Dairy Queens used to do it. Exactly. Yeah. So um, their newest sign is Jesus with Stone Homos. Cool. Which would he? You don't know that. He wouldn't probably. Yeah. I mean, like everything I know about uh, Jesus, it doesn't sound like something he'd do. Jesus loves it when you put his message in letters you have to bend in order to stick them yes. into a thing that lights up from the and back. And loves it when you have to use like a five for an S. Yeah. He loves it. Yeah. Um, th- another one that they recently. Uh, same church? Same church. Obama has released the homo demons on the black man. Look out, black woman. A white homo may take your man. Sorry. Yeah, no, well, why? What, what, what did you okay. have? What? What do you have to say? I'm just so confused. Any questions? Yeah, I have a couple questions. Um, well, okay, so if if Obama's releasing the, the gay demons on the black man. Yes. Right? So, so black men are going to be gay. No. The white gay man is stealing... Uh, oh, the black the man. The husbands of black women. Right. Is okay. what this is saying. Oh, I got it. Yeah. Okay. Now... Now I'm on board. Right. So um, just it just kind of goes to show you that it's not that unusual that L- LGBT people would not really be interested in religion and would move away from it. It's also really insulting that like churches would would make the um, make the distinction that gay people don't have the ability. I'm trying to figure out what I want to say. Don't have the ability to make their own decisions. That it's out of their control. That a demon released by our president, which is what presidents do. Right. You know, he opened the vault and out came the spooky dark. Aww. Yeah, exactly. Or whatever scary noise, maybe. Yeah, scary noise. <laughs> no, they're they're de- devil angels. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would come out and affect somebody and th- that they don't have any control. It's right. insulting to someone's free will. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, so a, a recent uh, survey done by Gallup, fa- a, a recent poll, uh, found that uh, LGBT adults in the U.S. are considerably more likely to identify themselves as non-religious 
than their uh, non-LGBT counterparts, which is not surprising. Yeah, forty-seven percent of LGBT adults say, say that they are non-religious, compared to thirty percent of non-LGBT adults. Um, oh, I see. So it's seventeen percent higher. Seventeen percent higher, and it only Do they increases. Say atheist or agnostic. Um, I'm what sure do they, they mean had by, both. Okay. No, what do you mean? Well, when you say non-religious, Re- does reli- that oh, mean... Oh, no, no, no. They mean... Uh, they don't Christi- identify... Christian, Jewish... I think it was Christian, Jewish, Mormon, Muslim, oh, maybe? Oh, okay, gotcha. I think, I they think, don't identify with a very specific sect of religion. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. not that they don't believe in God. Right. It's right. that they don't... Yes, they're not churchgoers, or you know, they don't go to temple. They don't They don't associate themselves with right. it, really. Uh, the, the, that difference between 47 and 30%, that's mostly for men. For women, it's an even bigger disparity, that women have... Like really, LGBT women have really been like thanks. Have for that. have have women in women in the church who come out as lesbians had a harder time? I don't know. I, I think actually it it almost looks like um, uh, yeah. I you know I don't I don't really know what that means. But but yeah, that that difference between LGBT women and non LGBT women for some reason is bigger, hmm. and I don't know, I don't know why it doesn't didn't explain it. Okay, so Gallup in this poll identified people who are highly religious. Uh, as those who say religion is a very important part of their daily lives and that they attend services daily every lives. week. Yeah. Daily lives. Like life. they hold, like, they do, they do. No, like they pray every night maybe or, you know. That oh, kind, I see. Like they, you know, they. My grandma used to pray before every meal and kiss her rosary. Yeah, guess what my fucking family does. Kiss rosaries? No. Pray before every meal? We pray and then we sing kiss from a rose. Oh. Yeah. That's different. It is different. But it's fun because we all do it in harmony so it sounds like church. It's like. You know what I mean? Yeah. And everyone joins in, joins in, and especially at the rounds, because I've been kissed by a mom. Oh, no, no. Yeah, exactly. God, I hate to be hungry at your house. Oh, it's great. It's three. We get together at five. We eat at eleven. Oh. So, okay. So they they counted moderate religious Americans as those who attend services without feeling any religious connection, which. Is probably how you, you feel anytime you spent the night at Brooks, and um, and then uh, people without any religious feeling who say that religion is you know n- nothing Dead to, to do with it exactly they don't they don't care. Interestingly, also um, the Public Religion Research Institute (PRRI) published a study earlier this year that said a third of millennials left re- the religion they grew up in. Uh, because of, quote, negative teachings or negative treatment regarding the LGBT community. Yeah, the internet's made all children smart. Yeah, isn't that crazy that, mm-hmm. like, that like people coming of age now are like, I don't like church because it said that thing about, you know, my friend Flicka or whatever the gay person. Oh, Flicka, is. yeah. Yeah. That's a real, what book is that from? <laughs> my a friend horse Flicka. I think she was a horse. Yeah. So, with this millennial study, I guess uh, PRRI found that LGBT issues, rather than faith, have played a major role in pushing people away from the church, which is very interesting. And I guess Gallup's findings uh, perhaps suggest the same thing, that that um, the, the treatment of LGBT people or the, the way the church regards that is what's pushing people away, not necessarily faith. Would you say they're digging their own graves? Uh, who? The churches. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, I guess so. You know what? You know what it is, though. Here's the thing. So I grew up in a very religious household. Um, we went to church every Sunday. I went to private school. Uh, the, uh, Catholic? Run, no, Episcopal, run by the church that, and not the cool Episcopal either. Like the cool Episcopal now lets gay people be priests. This is the one that split off from it. So we were in church. So I was in church every single morning except Saturdays. So I went with my family I Sunday can't and even Monday through it. Friday with um, my school, and. Um, 
I was never... I've never been very attached to it. Like, I never really... I definitely have the fear of God thing, but I've never... um I never felt really, like, connected with it ever in my life. And, uh, but the thing is that I, for instance, we were just in Boston. We've been in these cities. Churches are amazingly beautiful. Yeah. And it's, it's. Well, that's where all the money was. It's too bad the inside, figuratively, doesn't match the outside, literally. It's too bad that the church's heart doesn't match the beauty of some of the structures. Agreed. Um, but don't, don't worry, because they're all going to go under, and then it's gonna, what's going to happen is people are going to turn them into condos. I hope not. It's going to happen. It would be, I mean... It's like, already happening in cities. I don't know. There is something very... My mom and stepdad wanted to buy an old church, an old Baptist church in Houston, and turn it into a house. Really? The scariest book... Well, there I- was a limelight in New York that was a church that then became a club that then became a mall. Great. You know, I, I don't not know. the mall part. I sort of disagree not with it. Not the club part. I went to. Tr- I walked in Trinity Church in it, Boston because it's supposed to be so beautiful, and I, and it was gorgeous. But isn't it still scary? No, it wasn't for me. I I mean, honestly, I was just like, wow, this is beautifully built, beautifully appointed. Like, I, I don't want this to be anything except what it is. I just wish that the church side could really make a full uh, throttle move to really just really practice what at least the new t- you know just be like hey we're cool with everyone are you cool with us great let's party like I really wish that there was a happy medium there because it's really unfortunate that there is that ed- beautiful buildings can't accept the LGBT yes exactly because well, that's not true. there is a push pull thing like when I went in that church I was like this is so magnificent this is so beautiful does this place feel the same way about me probs not I am beautiful no matter what they say what Dr. Ben Carson, who, I, I guess he gained fame because he spoke out against Obamacare. And then he just kept talking when it turned out Obamacare was uh, not the government takeover that he Some thought Some gay people stuff as well. He's, right. he's had a lot of thoughts. Well, oh, yes. He had, um, Ben Carson, apparently, he's come out with a book, and I guess that's why he's now doing the tour again. But Ben Carson wrote in his uh, his memoir, I guess that's what it is. He went on to Fox uh, in March of 2013 and compared marriage equality to uh, advocates, to supporters of bestiality. This is what he said. Marriage is between a man and a woman. No group, be they gays, be they Nambla, which is a pedophilic group, be they people who believe in bestiality, it doesn't matter what they are. They don't get to change the definition. So it's not something against gays. (laughs) It's against gays and bestialists and pedophiles. 
It's against anybody. Well, I added that part. It's against anybody who wants to come along and change the fundamental definitions of pillars of society. It has significant ramifications. This is coming from a guy who, in the tradition of America, would not be able to become a very prestigious and accomplished surgeon, but would be somebody's property. And if he were white in a traditional marriage, because traditionally in this country, I don't think black men were allowed to marry. But if he were white and was able to have a traditional marriage, he would also have owned his wife, traditionally speaking. So he writes in his new book, One Nation, what we can all do to save America's future. Uh, after he had to uh, withdraw as a commencement speaker at John Hopkins. Um, because of his words, the gay activists. He writes, I spoke to some prominent members of the gay community at John Hopkins. In doing so, I found out two important things. First, bestiality is particularly abhorrent in the gay community. <laughs> And the mention of it evokes a very emotional response. Oh my God. Had I known that, I would have avoided the topic, since the last thing I wanted to do was to cause unnecessary offense and distract from the matters at hand. Now, let me say this. I'm not, I don't know what's in Ben Carson's heart, and I only know what's in his mind from the words he has written here. Is this guy a moron? I mean, I understand you can be very good at your profession. You can be a great surgeon. But you can also be a moron in many other areas. And it appears that he is. The idea, first of all, this looks like it was written by a one-year-old. I don't think that the the words bestiality are somehow just more offensive to gay people than I... I I think it's the comparison of being gay as to having sex with animals is offensive. I also, he doesn't seem to be able to compute this. I love the subtext, though. It's just like, oh, no, no, I mean, bestiality is not great. But, I mean, for me, it's not like, it's not like the end of the world. Right. I mean, I, I didn't realize for but gay people thought it was so terrible. I know I have spoken to other communities in the past. For instance, if you talk to the gypsies, they don't seem to be offended by be by, by by being compared with uh, bestialists. Yeah, I mean, they're not so into it, but no. it's not like this incredibly profoundly offensive oh, thing. No. I mean, my bad. Yes, on that excuse part. me. I, I mean, for no me, it's sort idea. of like, look, do I think spinning on the streets great? Obviously not, but I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. That's kind of more the way I would think of having sex with with animals. So, the, the, <laughs> so that's the first piece of evidence that Ben Carson may be not so bright outside of his narrow um, uh, expertise. It's weird for a Christian fundamentalist to say this, but what's the big deal? <laughs> I mean, we're just talking bestiality. Not great. What's not the, deal the worst thing in the world.
Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional websites and online portfolios. With a keen eye for design and a forward-looking vision of the Internet, they help you build websites that you'll be proud of today, but will also allow you to evolve with the future. They're constantly adding new templates and designs, as well as integrating new technologies to work seamlessly with your website. The latest additions include Pinterest and SoundCloud. So whether you have wares to sell and you want to make it really easy for people to pin images of all your great stuff, or you have sounds to share, it has never been easier to use these powerful tools right in your Squarespace website. Of course, these are just the tip of the iceberg, so you can try the service for free for 14 days. That way you get to check out everything it's possible to do with Squarespace and see just how they're able to meet your specific needs. Then when you're ready to sign up, be sure to use the special offer code LEFT. That's just L-E-F-T, which gets you 10% off your purchase, and that code also lets them know that you're supporting this show at the same time. It's the all-in-one platform, makes it fast and easy to create. Uganda had passed anti-gay legislation that would make it criminal to be caught doing any type of sex act or supporting or promoting gay couples. Um, and by sex act, I mean between same-sex couples. Now, uh, the Constitutional Court in Uganda has ruled that that law at this moment is unconstitutional, so they decided to strike it down. Now, the reason why they did that wasn't because of the wording of the law or because of the fact that it would imprison people just for being gay or just for supporting gay people. The reason why they did it is because they apparently didn't have enough politicians when they did the vote. So since they didn't have enough people to vote on it and they still passed it anyway, well, it's unconstitutional. So let me give you some more details. The panel of five judges on the East African country's constitutional court said the Speaker of Parliament acted illegally when she allowed a vote on the measure despite at least three objections, including from the country's prime minister, over the lack of quorum when the bill was passed on December 20th. So this is good news, but it is likely that uh, there will be an appeal and possibly the reintroduction of this legislation and then a new vote with enough members to vote on it. So uh, they say they didn't have enough quorum. It's a technical reason uh, to strike it down. The uh, opponents of this law wanted to the court to rule on the substance and to say, no, this is a violation of the rights of all Ugandans, as is in our Constitution. You can't just discriminate against this group. Uh, by passing this law, it's, it would be unconstitutional according to the Constitution of Uganda. Okay, But the court did not rule that. They said we don't have to rule on that one way or another because of the technical issue. Now, let me tell you why they actually did it. Uh, Ugandan leadership is coming to the United States in a couple of weeks. And so they had to get rid of this pesky tr- uh, law because it's incredibly unpopular here in the U.S. It's actually popular in Uganda. Mm-hmm. It's popular in Uganda, so they had to pass it in the first place. Before they come to the U.S. and ask for money and all these other favors, they had to get rid of it. And then after they go back home, they will likely reinstitute it. Right. And that's just how it works. Yeah, and also, you know, although, yes, there is a lot of public opinion in favor of uh, this type of law in Uganda, part of the reason why that is is because evangelicals who lost clout here in the United States travel to Uganda and spread their anti-gay propaganda to the point where at 
at one point they had this big conference where they're talking about how this type of law should be passed, the evangelicals, and then they, of course, do all this anti-gay fear-mongering. And then right after that conference, a man, a gay man, uh, was murdered, right? People who attended that conference went and found him. They used weapons. They murdered him in front of his own home. So that's the kind of stuff that we're seeing with evangelicals coming from this country, going over there and spreading their bullshit to other people. It's disgusting. So, I, well, I guess the question is, how big of a sucker are we going to be when they come here and ask for whatever they need to ask for? And then we go, well, technically it didn't pass. Right. What are we going to do? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, you know, my guess is that we're going to do whatever is in our financial best interest either way. Maybe we gave them the heads up. Like, wouldn't it be convenient if you guys found it, you know, that you didn't have quorum to pass that law so that neither side is uncomfortable when you're here and we're going to give you whatever we're going to give you anyway. Let's keep it real because of our interest in Uganda. What are our interests in Uganda? Oil, oil Honestly, there? I have no idea. They must have something, right? they got to have oil or something. Maybe they're Who next knows? to a country that has oil. We need to be there. They've got to be somewhere around oil. Yeah. Um, so uh, we've got interest in all these countries, and it's all tied to whoever's making money. Let's okay. just keep it real. Yeah. And that's what's going to decide the day. But Anna makes a great point about the evangelicals. For them, it's not about the money. They're just yeah. fundamentalists, it's right? It's ideology. And, yeah. and they say, hey, listen, it says in the Bible that you're supposed to kill people who lie with a man, right? And now they can't win on that here. Although there was a Republican running uh, in one of the states. I forget which state now, but we covered it on the show. And he said, yeah, it's in the Bible, so you just stone him to death. It's amazing. Right? And so they'll, they get to go and do that over there. They're like, maybe we can get the Ugandans to kill gays. Well, right? Well, while we're on the subject, why don't we make sure that anyone who eats shrimp or uh, cross, uh, puts their, weaves their fabrics with their cottons also gets stoned to death. Yeah. That's in the Bible too, right? That's right. Okay, just make sure. Yeah. And so, look, uh, Muslim fundamentalists do do the stonings from time to time. It's... Rare, thank God, thank Allah. Okay, uh, but it does happen, which is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. But it, it's also in the Bible, and there are our own fundamentalists who go across the world, Christian fundamentalists. I say are because the U.S. has majority Christian. Uh, it's not a Christian nation, but it has a majority of Christians in the country mm -hmm. that go across the world and try to get gays executed. And by the way, the way you're supposed to do an official stoning is you bury the person up to their head, and then take large stones and throw them at their head until they're so they can't until defend they themselves or run that's away. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, by the and way, that's what apparently Jesus would want. Jesus what a and moral Allah thing to do. Mm -hmm. What a moral thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. To go to another country, spread your hateful ideology to the point where someone literally gets murdered. And that was the original legislation. Um, Fortunately, they reworded it, and fortunate in this case is ridiculous, but they reworded it so if someone does get caught with a gay sex act, they don't get murdered, they don't have to face the death penalty, but they could spend the rest of their life behind bars. By the way, attempted gay sex can also get you a lengthy prison, fine, uh, prison sentence, which, by the way, how do you prove uh, attempted gay sex? You just hit on a dude and he's not interested. I want you to want me. Say
In 76 countries, it's a crime to be gay. And in 10, it can cost you your life. In no country in the world are LGBT people treated equally under the law. Well, that is important right now because the world is at a tipping point. There's huge change happening all over the world in the fight for freedom and equality for LGBT people. Half the world is trending toward greater equality and you have another half where people are criminalized and driven deeper into the shadows. In many countries there are either very discriminatory laws or there are laws which just simply don't protect people from discrimination or sexual orientation or gender identity. That impacts every aspect of their lives. It makes it really hard to have a job, it makes it really hard to be a part of a family, it makes it really hard to live. We also found there was violence taking place in all regions of the world. Extraordinary number of people being killed, castrated, tortured, much more brutal in fact than other forms of hate crime. We've got to do all that we can to make sure that the rights of LGBT folks are secure and protected all around the world. All Out is a global movement for love and equality. When we started two years ago, we believed that there was a whole community of people who care about equality but haven't had a way to participate before. All Out is a vehicle for people to take action together, whether that starts with a petition or moves on to walking out in the streets to support each other and demonstrate. There's nothing that All Out members won't do to move us towards the kind of world where people can love who they choose and live openly and safely. We have members in every country around the world. There are people that speak every language on the planet on our list. The fact that 50% of All Out's members are straight allies is fantastic. For them to see this fight as a human rights fight, wanting to be part of a cause, raising their voices, seeing the injustice, is so powerful for our movement. A lot of what All Out does the best is pushes conversations that are quieter and smaller on a local level or in different countries that people don't actually know about to the mainstream. Many of the dreams that we've had for the organization early on are beginning to come to pass and there's nothing more exciting than that. In France, 350,000 members of All Out worked together in a seven month long campaign that culminated in an incredible victory opening up marriage for everyone. All Out brought together a group of amazing moms of LGBT people here in Brazil to remind the country that love is a family value. We're very active working with our partners in Uganda to help them fight back against a bill if passed would give the death penalty for gays and lesbians in that country. All Out has been able to win, already in its short life, a bunch of very significant policy victories. It's been able to shift corporate behavior in ways that are setting very important precedents and examples. And it's just beginning this process of building long-term political power around LGBT rights issues. The time for All Out wasn't five years ago, and it's not five years from now, it's right now. This is the moment when the decisions are being made. This is the moment when the battles are happening. We're at a million and a half members now. We could easily go to 10 million in the next couple of years and win victories all across the world that will affect generations to come. We're supporting those people who are ready to stand up, they're ready to make their voices heard, and we're going to get behind them and make sure that each time that they do, it's not a blip on the radar, it's a major moment that leads to a national movement that reshapes the way that we think about lesbian, gay, 
by and trans people. To secure the freedom to assemble. To have our families recognized. To work and live free from discrimination. To be able to live openly. To support gender self-determination. To make a world where everyone can look into the eyes of the person they love without fear. This is our work. This is our mission. This is our moment. We are all out. question I get a lot from listeners has to do with how long it takes me to make an episode of Best of Left. Well, between all the research, show prep, and actual editing, it comes out to around 20 hours of work for each one of the 10 episodes I make every month. Obviously, this is only possible because of the listeners who chip in a few bucks each month to make it happen. So if you appreciate this show and think it provides a valuable service, then please think about becoming a member at the $10 a month level. That's only a buck a show after all. I've always believed in giving away the show for free so everyone can hear it without restrictions. So if you can afford 10 bucks a month, that covers yourself and several others who maybe can't afford to pay but who need to hear the show as much as anyone. As thanks, members also receive bonus content including extra voicemails, behind-the-scenes stories, and more of my personal musings. Thanks so much for your support. Yesterday, President Barack Obama signed an LGBT non-discrimination order, and the religious right, the bigoted anti-gay religious right, is absolutely flipping out, and it is completely predictable. All the president did was add the words sexual orientation and gender identity to existing executive orders. Let me state that in a different way. We already had executive orders that prevented discrimination by federal contractors in the workplace based on other characteristics, including, for example, race. President Obama added protection for sexual orientation and gender identity to pre-existing executive orders. And the right wing absolutely hates it. Let's start with the National Organization for Marriage. I have a bunch of these quotes. President Brian Brown from NAM says, This is a path toward a new thought policing state where those who hold traditional values about marriage and family are to be marginalized. Fox News religion reporter Todd Starnes wrote that the new executive orders amount to, quote, the federal government bullying religious groups that hold viewpoint, viewpoints it deems inappropriate. Starnes also added that the Obama administration and its militant cronies want to tell Christians whom to hire, how to run their businesses, and how to think. Starnes also quotes the incredibly anti-gay pastor Robert Jeffress, who said the problem with this executive order is that it paves the way for the next one, which could withhold the tax-exempt status or broadcast licenses for religious organizations holding biblical beliefs with which the administration disagrees. Next, we go to the Family Research Council. Peter Spriggs says, If religious organizations cannot require that their employees conduct themselves in ways consistent with the teachings of their faith, then essentially those organizations are unable to operate in accordance with their faith. The mask is coming off 
the homosexual movement's agenda. At issue here is that these anti-gay companies, or at least anti-gay individuals at companies, want the right to hire or fire people based on their sexual orientation, meaning they want to be able to legally fire someone if they are gay, because that would violate their sincerely held religious beliefs. Every time I say that, it's hard not to smirk when you even use that term. I, I would say this. If the practice of your religion is dependent upon, uh, uh, or rather, let me say it a different way. If your ability to practice your religion the way you want might jeopardize your ability to obtain a federal contract, you're probably not practicing your religion in a way that really makes sense. And and I, I just don't know how else to say it, Lewis. If they really want to be able to... Uh, uh, let me take another step back. Religion is a choice. That we know for sure. And if choosing to partake in a particular religion is in violation of federal law, that's not discrimination against your religion. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that for a lot of these people, they don't want there to be a separation of church and state. They also don't want there to be a separation of the church and whatever business they run or whatever business they work for. It seems that it just seeps into into everything. And this isn't about, as I've said before, equating the fight for LGBT rights to the fight for racial equality or the fight for uh, other civil rights fights. But it is interesting to draw parallels. And if you ask yourself, when you look at the structure of these orders, would it be okay to fire someone for being black? Of course not. And we are talking about the exact same type of protection. Now, I know if you think that being gay is a choice, you're going to disagree with the entire framing, but that position is completely not backed by science. And, and to be quite frank, I don't even think that that, at this point, is the primary argument of these bigoted groups. It's more just, hey, our religion tells us that this is how we should handle different groups of people. But it's still an important part because it's, it's kind of because they think the religion tells them that, that they think people choose to do this. They mm. think that it can't be a real thing, that it can't be um, something you were born with. So it, it's still part of the problem. These are not opinions. I am right and you are wrong. Your arguments are worthless and your reasoning is flawed. Your mind can't be free when it's locked inside an ancient book. You see, the truth is much bigger than that if you ever cared to look. the activism portion of today's show. Now that you're informed and angry, here's what you can do about it. Today's activism, an exemption-free Employment Non-Discrimination Act. While 80% of Americans, including 70% of Republicans, support LGBT workplace protections, less than half the states prohibit discrimination based on gender identity and or sexual orientation. According to Americans for Workplace Opportunity, an umbrella coalition of organizations and businesses supporting such protections, more than 40% of 
lesbian, gay, and bisexual Americans, and more than 90% of transgender Americans have experienced discrimination on the job. The Employment Non-Discrimination Act, or INDA, would change that. With marriage equality rolling through the courts at a speed no one expected, it's time to make sure the next round of protections continues building grassroots and legislative support. Groups like the ACLU, SEIU, Human Rights Campaign, and the National Center for Transgender Equality recently joining with hundreds of often correctly vilified corporations like Barclays, Time Warner, Citigroup, and others has made ENDA seem like a sure thing. In the typically intransigent Senate, that sure thing was real. ENDA passed the Senate last year 64 to 32 with a bipartisan companion bill introduced in the House. It began to look feasible. Republican lawmakers with staff focused enough to cite polling data got on board. Republican billionaire Paul Singer even opened his wallet in an attempt to encourage the GOP-controlled House to pass workplace protections. It turns out, Enda's good for business. But, of course, conservative religious groups voiced opposition, and in July, exemptions were introduced into the House legislation on the heels of the Hobby Lobby decision, when liberal civil rights organizations weren't in the mood to hear about biblically-based bigotry being further enshrined into law. When the news of exemptions broke, LGBT rights activist John Becker reported on the development at the Bellerico Project, quote, The exemption-riddled Employment Non-Discrimination Act has just been dealt another body blow with three major national organizations, the American American Civil Liberties Union, Lombada Legal, and Gay and Lesbian Advocates and Defenders announcing this afternoon that they are dropping their support for the bill, unquote. The ACLU declared that, quote, Federal legislation to protect LGBT people from workplace discrimination is way beyond overdue, but Congress has no place giving religiously affiliated employers a license to discriminate against LGBT workers, unquote. As he seems to be doing on an increasingly frequent basis, President Obama stepped in with an executive order that imposes INDA-esque requirements on federal contractors with no religious exemptions. This will impact approximately 24,000 companies with 28 million employees, or around one-fifth of U.S. workers. Obama said at the signing ceremony, quote, America's federal contract should not subsidize discrimination against the American people. And he followed with a nod to businesses, quote, it's not just about doing the right thing. It's also about attracting and retaining the best talent. This development should place pressure on the 113th Congress with the end of session in sight. Visit WorkplaceOpportunity.org to support the push for an exemption-free ENDA. At the About tab, you can find out where your reps stand and then use ContactingTheCongress.org to email, call, write, and tweet your position on full non-discrimination. It's fantastic that people want to be married and are able to legally do so in more states all the time, but when the people in that marriage or those who choose not to get married can be fired at will, it should be clear that we have a lot more to accomplish. Representatives are at home this month, ostensibly to hear from you, the constituent. Take this opportunity to voice your position and remind them equality is an issue you vote on.
two related developments in the news today as I sit down to record this introduction to this week's podcast. Uh, Washington Post, ABC News poll shows highest levels ever for support uh, of same-sex marriage, of marriage equality. 59% of Americans now back marriage equality. Only 34% of Americans oppose marriage equality. Over in Europe today, the Pope indicated that while the church still opposes gay marriage, the church might be cool with maybe some form of, you know, civil unions perhaps for same-sex couples, but not marriage. And hearing the Pope say that, particularly after reading the Washington Post ABC News poll numbers, reminded me of a conversation I had really recently with a friend who is a Bible-believing, born-again Christian. Yes, a friend of mine who is one of those. Um, we have a playful, contentious relationship. We like to debate each other. Uh, we are actually friends. And we're thinking about going on tour in a updated production of The Odd Couple. But my friend asked me if gay people would be willing to settle for, would we compromise, would we take civil unions with all the same, exact same rights, responsibilities, obligations, everything that comes with marriage, but not marriage, civil unions. Like if, if a bill was introduced that would legalize civil unions in all 50 states, would we accept that compromise? They would let us have fundamentalist Christian conservatives who oppose marriage equality. They would let us have civil unions in exchange for, I live in Washington State, exchange for us giving marriage back? And I told my friend that, yes, we would so take civil unions in a fucking heartbeat. We would accept civil unions in 1985 if fundamentalist Christians, conservative Christians, Republican Christians, politicized Christians, in 1985, at the height of the AIDS epidemic, the height of the AIDS crisis, had stepped up and said, you know, look at what's happening in AIDS wards. Look at what's happening to these gay male couples. You have guys being dragged out of the hospital room of their dying partner. You have men being turned away from the funerals of their partners, guys they had been with for 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. You have men being dragged away, barred from the funeral of their own partners. You have guys being evicted from the homes they shared with their dead partners by vengeful, vindictive, greedy biological family members. And many of those men being evicted from their homes are themselves dying and sick. If fundamentalist Christians then, 1985, had looked at those, at that injustice, that was all about same-sex couples having no legal rights, no legal protections, and said, you know what, whatever else we think about gay sex or homosexual acts, this is vicious and cruel and unchristian, what is being done to these men. And they need to be protected from these cruelties. And so, civil unions. Let's get the president, Ronald Reagan, that we helped to elect. Let's call our congressman, who we got into Congress and took over the Republican Reagan revolution. Let's get our guys in the White House and in Congress to push through a civil unions package. We would have accepted that compromise in 1985. That is not what conservative fundamentalist Christians did in 1985. They did a victory dance. They celebrated and welcomed the AIDS epidemic and the AIDS crisis. They said it was God's judgment. They said that this pain and suffering was deserved, that we had welcomed it, that we had courted it, that we had it coming. And it was only a taste of the pain and suffering that we would endure in hell after our deaths. That was what they said. 
And it really was for so many gay rights activists, for so many people who witnessed that, those horrors, those injustices, it really was the AIDS epidemic that inspired and energized and has kind of informed. It's just in the DNA of the movement for marriage equality is that that shared cultural memory of what it was to have no rights, no protections for our relationships. It drove the push for marriage rights. And now that we're winning, now that it's clear with each new court case, as each state falls into line, as countries like France and Scotland and New Zealand approve marriage equality, now it's clear that we are fucking winning. Here comes the Pope saying, okay, mm, civil unions. And I'm here to remind you, my listeners, and I'm here to remind the Pope, in case he's listening, that this civil unions thing that you're willing to give us now that we're getting marriage, you opposed that pretty fucking recently. Civil unions came first to Vermont. Vermont, state Supreme Court ruling, ordered the legislature to allow gay people to marry or create some mechanism that gave us the same rights as marriage, and the compromise that the Vermont legislature came up with, civil unions. This was to keep us from marriage, civil unions. You know who opposed civil unions in Vermont? The Catholic Church. Now that people can get legally married in Vermont, the Catholic Church supports civil unions on the condition that we give marriage back. That's what they're saying, right? Here's the deal. Okay, now that you're winning marriage everywhere, we'll give you this thing we didn't used to want you to have. We'll give you this thing that we used to oppose with the same intensity and these same apocalyptic terms that we now oppose, gay marriage. We'll give you that in exchange for you giving us back what you've won, which is full civil equality. No deal, Pope Francis. That's what I said to my friend who was, I was debating with on, on, on the phone about would we accept civil unions in place? No, no deal. You backed us into a corner. We came out swinging. We fought for this. We won it. It's almost over. You are not in a position to negotiate a compromise where we give back the full civil equality that we have already won in states like Washington and we are winning across the country. So, nice to see that the Pope is backing civil unions. Wish the Pope had a time machine. And a Pope, if not this Pope, had backed civil unions for same-sex couples in 1985. That, if fundamentalist Christians, conservative Christians, if Pope Christians had looked at what was being done to gay couples in 1985 and come out for civil unions and owned it and pushed it, that might have taken the gas and the wind out of the sails of the movement for marriage equality. Marriage equality might not have come to Washington State and Illinois and New York and New Jersey and Vermont and Connecticut and Hawaii and California and New Mexico and coming soon to a state near you, if conservative Christians had done that, if they had behaved in a Christian way, if they had responded in a loving and Christian way to the AIDS epidemic, they did not. And here we are now, and we are winning. We have won. Now is not the time for compromise. Anyway, Pope Francis, nice thought, a few decades late, but we appreciate your evolution on this issue. Uh, that said, it's really important. I, I am Catholic, culturally Catholic. My family is Catholic, not just culturally, most of them. Um, it's important to emphasize that when it comes to marriage equality, Catholics support 
marriage equality and full civil equality for LGBT people at higher rates than any other religious denomination in this country. Catholics are pro-gay marriage. When you meet a Catholic, the odds that you're speaking to someone who is for same-sex marriage is higher than you when you meet anybody else who's a Christian in the United States. So I'm beating up on the Pope a little bit, but I'm not beating up on Catholics. You got our backs. We appreciate it. Hi, Jay. This is Nathan from Vancouver, Washington, and I'm calling about the uh, We Tortured Some Folks episode, and a lot of the discussion reminds me uh, of a recent episode, of the, a very recent episode of the Majority Report, where he talked to Rick Perlstein, and they were talking about the bridge, about what happened with Nixon that led to the culture that we have in Washington today, whether it be the bankers or more importantly, our government and our senior government officials and the culture of zero accountability. Like the worst that can happen is that you'll be asked to resign and you'll have to go and take some cushy job at a corporation or a college or something like that. But the idea of actually saying the people involved in torture, and it was torture, committed crimes and are going to go to jail, the people who perjured themselves in front of Congress about these programs, are going to go to jail. They're going to be fired, they're going to be disgraced, and or, ideally, spend some time behind bars as the criminals that they are. And that's what we have to start demanding, because what, what one of the things they talked about in that discussion on the Majority Report was how Jimmy Carter said, I won't lie to you. And the reason why that was supposed to be soothing, the reason the dynamic where, where that worked, I'm not going to lie to you, is... Because the implicit background of that is, even if I did lie to you, nobody's going to go to jail. So I, I just promise I won't lie to you. The other guy is going to do whatever he's going to do, and even if he does it, he's not going to go to jail. But I'm going to try to tell you the truth, regardless. You know, because our system doesn't work anymore. Our system is not going to impeach me. It's not going to send me to jail, no matter what I do. So I'm just going to make this kind of, you know, cross my heart, hope to die because that's the only thing you get. The only thing you get is my empty promise that I'm not going to lie. And I think it's really important that if we demand anything, we need to start demanding that once in a while the president gets impeached. Once in a while, somebody gets kicked out of Congress for these kind of things, which that kind of does happen. But once in a while, people got, folks got to go to jail after they torture folks. So I appreciate the show, and thanks a lot. Bye. Hey, Jay, this is Rich in Kansas, and you inspired me. If we had a washing machine and we had a dryer, if we had that cable TV, we'd be truly living high on the hog. If we hit the lottery when we went to the mall, we could eat in that fancy food court and not just window shop and walk the halls. Johnny could get shoes that fit. Mama could buy a new dress, and we'd be shopping in those name brand stores instead of haggling down at Sally Ann's. I heard some big wigs out in New York City 
We're hitting up Uncle Sam for another billion. I wonder to eat if they ever had to dig through a trash can or set up a payment plan just to pay their rent. I heard they want to eliminate all welfare and government checks. Well, if they share the charity God talks about, we wouldn't need them. If we had a washing machine, and we had a dryer, and we had that cable TV, we'd be truly living high on the hall. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make the show possible. Thanks to Katie Klobusik for all of her work on our social media outlets and activism segments. And thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment or question of your own to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. And, you know, at this moment, I usually like to respond to, you know, something that was said in the voicemail section, but... I don't know how to respond to that song we just heard, nor do I even understand how I managed to inspire it. So I'll just say thank you, and we'll move on. Today, I want to talk about something that's been on, like, not just my back burner, but, like, it, like, fell behind the stove for a while. And I, I recently I found it, picked it up, I dusted it off. And I'm thinking, now's the time. Uh, it's probably past time to uh, to talk about this. So... For years now, this sort of back burner project of mine has been to try to make it as easy as possible for anyone listening to the show to share the individual segments from the show that you might particularly like, uh, or the entire show, you know, if you prefer. Because, you know, word of mouth is the best way of, of, you know, spreading the word about a podcast. And the whole purpose of this show is to spread these great bits of content, these great ideas. And so I wanted to give you, the listener, the opportunity to do the same thing I do. When I hear something I like, I have the instinct to share it with you. So I figure when you hear something you like, you might have the instinct to share it with someone else. So this has been, you know, a a multi-year project, but things have sort of really picked up steam in the last year because I got, uh, got myself a new website that is mobile friendly. So if you go to individual pages, you know, you're, you're out, you're listening to something, you know, listen to the podcast, maybe even on your phone. And then you click to go to the page so you can share it. It's actually easily viewable on your mobile device. So that's a nice, nice feature. And then even more recently, I figured out how to get the links to each individual page into the show notes. And this, you know, it depends on what device you were using or what software you were using. This used to be, you know, possible and easy and, and, you know, not a difficult thing, but it wasn't available on all devices. I think the, the, the podcasting app that a whole lot of people use, uh, you know, the Apple branded app now allows for those links to go through. So I started making sure that links to each individual segment are in the show notes that should show up on your device. So that's all really, uh, you know, fun and easy and should help in this process. And the only thing left was for me to tell you that these things exist and encourage you to try them out. So that's what I'm doing now. And, and you know, if you're familiar with the concept of a minimum viable product and you apply that concept to this situation, 
then you would agree with me that I should have been talking about this a long time ago as we sort of got the kinks worked out. But in the meantime, I've sort of been trying to get things as perfect as possible before telling anyone about it, which probably only shot myself in the foot. But, you know, I mean, hopefully the upside is that it means things are working. So in addition to the big campaign we're running right now, where I I would like a thousand, well, a total of 3000 iTunes reviews, we're, we're within about 850, you know, a hundred more reviews have come in since the last time I've, uh, I, I talked to you. So excellent progress on that. You need about 850 more of those. And a total of 300 Stitcher reviews need less than 200 Stitcher reviews to get to there. That's our big, like, time-sensitive, active push right now, marketing-wise. And and we're hoping to have that done by, you know, early to mid-September. So if you have a couple of minutes, please take the time and go into iTunes and Stitcher. Leave five-star reviews. It's very self-explanatory. The second bit is this, what will be an ongoing forever campaign to make it as easy as possible for you to share the clips you like or to share the show itself. So what I would like is for you to take a minute, look at the show notes, click around, see how the website loads on your device, see how the pages load, see how the share buttons work, make sure links are coming up and you're able to post easily to Facebook or Twitter and, you know, and share some things. And then if it works well, then great. You can tell me that, or you could just not say anything. Or if anything goes wrong, definitely tell me about that. Uh, Cause I would like to get those things fixed as uh, quickly and easily as possible. Then assuming things are working well or will be working well soon, then we can all get in the habit of, you know, remembering to share segments from the show and get the word out about all this great stuff that I'm promoting to you, you can turn around and promote it to everyone else, which is the whole point of the show. Good deal? Good deal. That's going to be it for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations, as it is absolutely how the program survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it, leaving glowing reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, and by donating your accounts at donateyouraccount.com slash bestofleft. Stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter, and for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information can always be found in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. And it's a cry and shame How we get so trained We can see past our sad stories And wonder what we're missing See